Hi, this is Des, and you're listening to Delving with Des podcast. Hi, you're with Delving with Des again, and you know, we've got a really special lady with us this evening, uh, Dr. Claire Allen. And Dr. Claire Allen is the CEO of the Port Macquarie Hastings Council. Welcome, Claire. Oh, thank you, Des. It's such a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's really good. Now, you may have noticed, as I noticed, that there's not a Port Macquarie accent, but a different accent. Where is your accent from? Um, so my accent is Welsh. So, Welsh. Uh, you know, I, I came over from Wales when I was 18. Yeah. Uh, then I went back to Wales and I came back at 21 and uh, I've been here ever since. Isn't it amazing how after so many years, and I can say this too, after so many years, your accent stays. Mm. And you just I think if you come out, like my kids who come out, um, they were only like six and two, and they've got Aussie accents, and, and that's the way they are. Or in the case of both of my elder sons are now in New Zealand, they've got Kiwi accents, which is really bizarre. So you've kept your Welsh accent. Well done. Oh, no, thank you. They wouldn't say that in Wales. They say I sound Australian, yeah, which is that's a bit right. odd. But do they do the same with you, Des? Yeah, <laughs> but it's because of the words you use, I think. So, you, mm. you know, like for guys, they would say g'day and how you going and all. Mm. The, the colloquial Australian sort of phrases, and they interpret that as being your accent. So talk to us about some of the things you've done. I mean, you've written books. Let's talk a little bit about the books you've written. Tell us about those. Yeah, so look, being a CEO is obviously uh, a full-time job. I've sure. been in CEO roles since my early 20s. I started off in youth work, uh, which is oh, quite interesting. You? So I was a wow. youth worker for some time. And um, I really loved it. But it brought out in me this real need to help other people. So yeah. I've written a few self-help books. Wow. And those self-help books are around people having, if you like, a belief in themselves and a yes. positive mindset. So I've always been someone that believes that if you believe in yourself, then other people will believe in you too. That's, so you need that with your, as a CEO, don't you? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you've got to back yourself so that yeah. other people can back you. Exactly. Um, and, you know, I try to say that to other people as well, that you need to back yourself. And, yeah. and I often say, do you know who you are? Because if you don't know who you are, then... No yeah. one else is going to know who Identity you are. is so key. In all walks of life, identity is important. Yeah, mm. it's good. So tell us the names of some of your books. Oh, well, look, when I wrote um, Sacred Heart, I wrote it because I was actually um, in hospital and I oh. almost died. Oh. And um, I, it was my third time in hospital. I'd had my uh, gallbladder out and my... Uh, oh. um, basically, it led to pancreatitis and then I had blood clot travelling to the lung. And, oh. and I was in intensive care for 12 days and I just kept um, looking up on the wall and I could see this picture of Jesus and I just yeah. felt this, you need to write this book. And I thought, how am I going to write a book as well as be a CEO? We don't wrote my first one. Yeah. It was get up at five o'clock every morning and just write. So I did. And so I spent a year and a half at five o'clock every morning getting up and just being inspired and writing Sacred Heart. And it was really around the answers are within you. Yeah. And the premise is that you don't really need to go searching for coaches and yeah. anybody else in this world for answers. You have the answers. Right. And so that was a really strong message that yeah. I wanted to put out there. Um, and so that's why I wrote the book. And it has seven wake-up calls in there. Oh, right. And the wake-up calls are around take ownership of your life. You know, yeah. really yeah. start to think about your life and take ownership. So that's one of them. Yeah. Um, the other book was Wings of Purpose. And Wings of Purpose is a, an interesting one because 
uh, before Sacred Heart, I was I've been doing mindfulness and meditation for oh, well over twenty years now. Yeah, and I was in a meditation and I just saw all these characters and they were eagles, and I basically got up and I started to sketch these characters. Wow! And so I sketched Moment, which is the lead eagle, and yeah. um, she's the coach eagle. And then I started to sketch another little baby eagle, which is called um, Baby Eagle. And then there's all these eagles that go on a journey together. And it's a leadership journey. And it's for teenagers and even adults. And it has all these profound leadership insights in there. And they, they end up trapped in a cave. And they end up trying to find all these potions to fix one of them. Wow. Um, who's really sick. And so the book basically just just you know came to me yeah, and i yeah. just kept writing um and i wrote that after sacred heart but i was always right. inspired by the the drawings that i did wow and then the third one um people just kept saying to me i'm really sick of vampire suckers i'm really fed up of people draining all my energy yes, yes. and so i wrote um you know how to stop people stealing your joy that's a that's so important because there's so many people who do get caught up with this being sapped of their energy you know, and, and of their joy and so wow um i i don't i write them because i want to help people sure that's sure that's the only motivation no no i get it yeah. totally actually what is interesting is as a ceo of a, a major council in new south wales a lot of the leadership principles are what you would put into practice i guess in your day-to-day -day work yeah look i, I studied um you know, when I first was a CEO, I had no qualifications yeah. and um, and I really didn't know what leadership was about. Yeah. I had no idea, but I was leading all of these people. Yes, and yes. I probably made so many mistakes, you know. I know that I made lots of mistakes, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I decided to study um, leadership. And yeah. I, so I did my Master's of Business Leadership. Um, yes. I worked on that for quite some time. I worked with groups of people. I attended um, assessment centres to work on myself. Um, and I always say to people, if you're really going to take a job seriously, then you've got to put in the hard work. Yes. And, and one of the things, I guess, that I lived by was never take on a job I was qualified, I felt qualified to do. Yes. So you're always pushing yourself and, and pushing uh, your goals and so forth. Now, there's another part I would love to, I love to understand, <laughs> and that is metaphysics. Physics, metaphysics. That's yeah? correct. So yeah. you have a master's in metaphysics. Is that right? Yeah, I do. Um, I've got lots of business qualifications, but I always said once I got the business qualifications out the way, I'd really love to do something for me. Yes. And so the Masters of Metaphysics was for me. And my, my staff would laugh at me because I said, oh, on the weekend, I can't wait to download my next uh, section of courses because right. it would be around um, ancient medicines. And uh, metaphysics is the study of the unknown. Right. So you get to study all the world religions. Yeah. You get to study Avuda, uh, mindfulness, uh, meditation. Uh, you know, you get to study mantras and uh, affirmations. Wow. wow. And it's really fantastic. But... The work's done, and um, it's quite intense. Yes, I imagine. Um, but I would download at least three three a week to do, and wow. I do that on top, and I would just love it. And I found that it was that your relaxation, effectively. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> wow. Pretty much, it was it was a fantastic way to to download and to be able to learn something new. So wow. So that's amazing. So how did you, you came to Australia? Did you stay in Sydney or were you in Melbourne? No, or? I was in Perth. You were in Perth, yeah. right. So you were doing a CEO 
role in Perth? Yes, so I, I did a few CEO roles in, in Perth, um, uh, Western Australia. So I was CEO of um, uh, two, two that I'll mention. Yeah. Um, one was Community First International, which was the employment services. Oh, right, yes. Um, so we went from 2,000 clients to 12,000 clients to wow. um, number one and two in the nation for performance. Through good leadership, of course. My teams were amazing. <laughs> good <so answer. laughs> They were just incredible. I'm just yeah. there to bring out the best. In yeah, everything. good for you. That's exactly right. Um, and then I was at Visibility, which was a real oh, honor right. to serve. So yeah. I oversaw Guide Dogs uh, Western oh, Australia wow. and Visibility. Um, so it was under the same umbrella. All right. Okay, cool. So how did you go from being in Western Australia as a CEO to coming to Port Macquarie? Tell us about that journey briefly. Yeah. Um, I basically uh, went to work for Minda in South Australia for uh -huh. a period of time to help them transition into the NDIS. Oh, right, okay. Um, and then when this job came up, I'd always wanted to work in local government. I did a two-year stint in local government prior. Yeah. And I always felt that I, I would be able to bring my skills from yeah. working with communities but with my business acumen to yeah, local government. Yeah. And I'd manage large uh, entities, so that wasn't an issue for me. And I love the regions. Ah, yeah. When the job was advertised, it was really looking for a strategic leader. And I right. thought, do you know what? I think you're looking for me. And wow. I think I'm looking for you. Wow, we're going to take a short break and then we're going to come back and talk about that. That's really an interesting statement. Uh, we're, we're with uh, Dr. Claire Allen from the council, CEO of the council, and we'll be back in a few minutes. You're listening to Delving with Des. Hi, we're back with Delving with Des and we have Dr. Claire Allen, who's the CEO of the Port Macquarie Hastings Council. Did I get that right? Is you that did, you got that perfectly oh, right. No, that's good. That's good. It could have been very easy to say just the Port Macquarie Council and we would offend our dear brothers and sisters in the General Hastings area <laughs> and we don't want to do that. So it was interesting you were saying that before you came to the council, you applied for the job. You you had a little bit of experience at council, but you would you would think that you know the pe this people who are selecting somebody for this very important role would be looking around people who are already CEOs of maybe a smaller council or or maybe even a bigger mm -hmm. council wanting to downsize whatever that looks like. But here were you yeah. with a, a different range of skills, very much personal skills in terms of leadership, which is great. And you got the job. That was amazing. Well done. No, thank you. Yeah. Um, I, like I said, I feel really honoured to be here yeah. uh, and really privileged to be able to serve the community. That's really important to me. And it, it is so important. And it's, it, and yet quite often when you talk to bureaucrats, if I could use that word advisedly, you know, a lot of them don't see themselves as being service of the community. Mm. They they think that the community serves them, and that's a, and that's a very dangerous and unhealthy. Mm way to look at it but you've got a great perspective so whenever you look at your appointment uh, and the interview process how do you think you convinced the, the people who are doing the selection that you were the right person for the job <sighs> look I'm going to say this really humbly um, because I think it's important my CV speaks for itself okay um, so wherever I go um, you can see that I make major transformations Good. and turn the organization around I don't do that in year one yeah. I don't do Good. it potentially in year two yeah. because I come with a framework and a discipline around what I do and I'm there for the for the long haul to make yes. sure that 
that we get the change that we need. So I always know that when I do actually, because I don't apply for many jobs, so I haven't applied for many jobs in yeah, my yeah. career. I'm usually tapped on the shoulders. So when I actually apply for a job, that's a I, nice feeling. I know it is yeah, a very. It's yeah, nice to be the that, age yeah. where you don't take jobs because of career moves yeah, or, or yeah. because of financial co- considerations. You're actually taking them because you feel you can make a difference. Yes. And so this was something where I felt that I could make a difference. So when I applied, um, obviously there are going to be much more experienced local government people than me, far yeah. far more experienced than me. But if you want to make change and you really want to have a business leader, and there is a difference in my view between a CEO and um, somebody who wants to come in and manage. So I'm very uh, much about transformation. But, I'm yeah. not in the operations. I'm very much around taking the organisation to be a leading organisation. Yeah. So in other words, if they didn't give me the job, that would have been okay too, because I would have said, maybe your appetite is not there for that change. Yes, yes, so that's I'm a good quite, way of looking I'm at it. I'm quite pragmatic in terms of I'm not every bit, I'm not the right fit for every organisation, no. but yeah. they'd, they'd ask for somebody who was going to come in and lead that change. Yes, yes. And so I answered the call. And so yeah. the council at the time said, we're looking for someone who can who can do this and work differently and um, and that's what I bring to the table now often after a couple of years people go oh we, we really you know we really recruited um, her but we're not too sure if we like her now because the changes are quite significant yes and then they go oh, well in year three actually we really like the changes now they really, yeah. <laughs> they're really coming together really well so yeah. so I also understand that Change is quite personal. Yes, and, um, yes, it is. And people, you know, get affected by change mm. in, in certain ways. But I always really care about people. Yes. So when I come with um, the Business Excellence Framework, I have people, strategy and leadership as my three core sure. foundations. How do you manage the relationship between making a change from the council's perspective and managing people well? Because quite often they're in conflict with each other. How do you how do you manage that that distinction? Yeah, look, there are the needs of the organisation, and there are the needs of the people, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so there are always going to be those balances that yes. you have to make. Yes. For me, I'm very objective. So I'm, right. I'm as we said, I'm from Wales. So yeah, a spade yeah. is a spade, right? Yeah. I'm pretty <laughs> black and white. You'd know. Um, you know, being a Celt, you'd know that yeah. it's pretty black and white. So. I'm really objective in my approach. And I think right. people realise that yeah. I'm objective, I'm fair, yeah. I'm reasonable. Fair is a key one. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, that's and good. And people can see through you yeah. and they know yeah. when you're telling the truth. And I'm exactly. just telling the truth. So, yes. you know, I speak my truth that everything, if you ask me a question, I'll tell you the truth. I'll yeah, be, wow. be really transparent with people. Um, and so I think when I take people on the journey, the first thing I do is I develop a case for change. Right. So right from the first month I arrived, here's the case for change and why we need to make the changes. So what were the things in the council when you arrived, when you looked and saw what was going on? What were the things, if you can talk about that, what are the things that you you, you look at and you say, wow, I don't like that or you know, we need to fix this? Or Can you talk about those things? Well, firstly, I want to say that I arrived in, in the February and we had the floods in the March. So uh, I yes. was literally uh, five weeks in the job and oh. I was dealing with $90 million worth of flood damage um, for wow. our community. So, you know, you get to see your organisation yeah, at you its very best in the worst circumstances. Yes. Or oh, the worst in the best circumstances. <laughs> I'm going to say the best. <laughs> okay. and, and I was really super impressed. So oh, our good. staff good. were 
incredible in a crisis. Um, they really knew what to do and to get out there and help our community. Right. But I also recognised that, uh, you know, our staff basically needed to be supported on the ground. And they yes. were supported on the ground. We gave them the support that was needed. Um, everybody got involved in it, from the mayor to councillors to myself wow. to senior staff. We yeah. all got involved in that particular crisis to right. be there for our community. But I got to hear from staff at all levels of the organisation who were basically telling me lots of things about the organisation yeah. in the first two months. Yes, yes. So I think it got a raw look, which was, um, which was good for me. Yeah. I also got to experience at community events, the first few I went to, is that we got the blame for everything and we actually took the blame. So everybody <laughs> was beating council and it was almost like we were letting them beat us. So I thought to myself, wow, if I could do anything, it would be to raise the profile and actually say to people, you're blaming me for something that's potentially not our responsibility. So let me just tell you the truth about it. So let's have a look at our roles and responsibilities and let's get that really clear from the yeah, start. Yeah. So I really didn't want to basically be an organisation that was just being kicked without stepping up sure, and saying, well, sure. hang on a minute, let's talk about this. Yeah, because people would blame the council for the roads, for example, and potholes, which, you know, it was interesting that uh, Peter had, uh, the mayor had a, a background with her husband in terms of, fixing roads mm. and so forth. So she was able to give us a detailed description of what how that looks like and why it went mm. the way it did. Um, and, and so I guess when you're doing Ocean Drive, mm. you know, that's going to be, you know, a 2024, 25 road with the sort of requirements for the traffic loads that are on that road now, as opposed to yeah. 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And, and all of that's, really essential but if we look at our csp our community has been csp community strategic plan okay good. so all local governments in new yes, south they wales do. have one yeah and the community's been telling us over and over again what it wants the 10 priorities are congestion yes paths right yes every time you look at it they'll tell you exactly what the issues are we don't have to look very far no. build your infrastructure get your roads right yeah. Okay, yeah. they tell us and they tell us and they tell us and they yeah. tell us. So you're now seeing, if you're a resident, that we've got a very strong infrastructure budget. You're yeah. now seeing we've got yeah. more in footpaths than we've ever had. Yes, so and, and working on them all the time. Exactly. Yeah. So you know we we've got. So when I came on board, I really wanted and I really wanted to nail down what is it the community wants. Now yeah. it may take me ten years to deliver those yeah. things, but I have a plan. Now, what I do is I work with um, seven generational principles. So every decision I make today has got to affect the next seven generations. Wow, so okay. So I constantly talk to our team, well, how is that going to affect the next generations? So when I look wow, at congestion, so yeah. I say, okay, if I basically look at Ocean Drive and I look at Lake Road Stage 2, yeah. Stage 3, John Oxley, I look at the Wrights Road, I know we've got no rat runs, I can reduce congestion by about 40 years if I just do those. Okay, yeah. how do I now go to 70 years? Well, I need a good integrated transport strategy. Yes. So this is the strategist CEO that comes in ah, that constantly okay. looks at that future thinking, Yes. yes. but not reaction. So this yeah. is oh, why it takes yeah. a while to embed in what I do with the business excellence sure. because I'm not reacting to somebody jumping up and down. 
Yeah. I'm taking a disciplined approach oh, to what our community needs. Well, that's really good. We're going to take another break. And I'm going to come back and talk about that strategy when we come back. We're with Dr. Claire Allen from the Council CEO of the Port Macquarie Hastings Council. You're listening to Delving with Des. We're back with Delving with Des, and we've got Dr. Claire Allen, who's the CEO of Port Macquarie Hastings Council with us. Thank you, Claire. It's great to have you here. Oh, it's lovely to be here, Des. Yeah, you got a fellow Celt, which is really I know, cool. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so we were talking just before the break about uh, the sort of planning that you have introduced into the council, and, and you were talking about generational planning. And, and that's an interesting term because you know, like most organisations, they plan year on year, budget on budget and so forth. But to have a generational plan, I think is amazing. I think I congratulate you for that because that's a really good thing. How do you how do you sell that internally in the organisation and then externally to the wider community? So I'm always asking the question, what's the intent of what you're doing or what oh, you're right. trying to achieve. Yes. So when we're setting goals, what's the intent of this goal? For example, why have a policy if we're not going to enforce it? Right? Wow, that's so, true. So what's the intent? Yes. So we often want to have a tick box. Yes. But I'm asking what's the intent? Yes. But I'm going to say to people, well, how are we basically going to deploy this? What's our deployment strategy? Yes. So, for example, I really wanted to humanise our brand. So for okay. me, it was important to come along and humanise our brand. So when we have difficult situations, we connect with humans, right? Yes. We connect yes. with people. Yes. So that was a really important aspect for me was let's let's have a focus on humanising that brand. So what does that look like? Well, you, you say humanising a brand, is that about pretty pictures? Is it about, what, what does that actually relate to how do you how would you describe that to the average guy in the street or a woman in the street what's that mean what it means is that we're going to talk to you in human terms oh that's and great it's very basic yes so des if you come to me and you've got a problem i treat you like a human and i say yeah. what's your problem des and how can i help you to solve it wow and you'll say okay then um well, maybe you could do, okay, well, can we explore that together and find out if we can find a solution to the problem? Wow. So this is part of humanising our brand is connecting, yeah. but it's also about storyboarding. So what is the story we're trying to tell our community? Yes. Why are, yes. We, why are we doing what we're doing and what is that story? Yes. So when we talk about um, congestion, we storyboard the congestion. We yeah. get people to buy into the story of why we want to do it, to reduce congestion. For why? Well, I'd like to do it for the next 70 years, 100 years. Why? Yeah. We've got big growth in our community. We've got yeah. population growth. So we've got uh, different demographics coming into yeah. our community. Yeah. So humanising our brand is telling the story. Because people, you're doing this tonight, and people are hardwired to stories, right? Yes. They're hardwired to that DNA. Yes. We're, yes. We're, when we grow up, who doesn't love a hero story, right? Yes. That's why yes. Disney does so well. Yes. So, you know, we want a story, and people want a story about what we're doing as well. Yeah. That's humanising our brand. So how do, you, how do you actually do that? So uh, I understand the, the, how that looks like, but how do you actually... So I'm, I'm living in Lighthouse Beach, and, you know, I don't have a great... You know, I don't have any interaction really with the council. 
How do you, how does the council then tell that story to me? How how does it become real for me? So I guess you know when uh, when we do projects in terms of roads and yeah. upgrades, yeah. and you see some information there, yeah. um, and that information is told to you in a really simple way, yeah. um, and gives you maybe some alternative routes if there's some congestion ah, yeah. on the road. Yeah, yeah. You'll say, "Wow, that was really great! I didn't have to dig around for that information. Yeah. We understood that that was going to be an issue for you." When it comes to um, you know other things that happen in terms of humanizing our brand. I mean, the Christmas tree was a disaster, right? Oh, however, oh, I wasn't going to raise I that. Know, but however, look at how we approached it. Yes. We were human about it. Yes, we took responsibility and we yeah. were human. Yes. And most people were really very forgiving yes. and they got on to the, the joke of the Christmas tree. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if we weren't humanising our brand, we might have ducked for cover and yes. we might have hid yes. behind that, but we didn't. Yeah. No. And so when, and that's an example of humanising the brand. When we actually, um, you know, I've been sending out letters with the rate notices to, yeah. to yeah. explain what we're doing and how we're doing things, that's humanising our brand. Yeah. When we actually... Um, talk to people in our community we need to get real with people yes and we need to sit down and we need to explain the why yeah um, because yeah. then we're not hiding behind a counter yes we're not being bureaucratic or with red tape because there is bureaucracy in of all course. governments of course can't get away yeah. from it yeah but it's how we explain it to people yeah i must admit the um in the um, lighthouse shopping center uh along the windows they had graphics of the lake road and uh, not mm. lake road uh, ocean drive yes. um duplication or whatever the term is and i i noticed the number of people who actually stood there and read it and looked at it and commented mm. that and sometimes there's like five or six people who were debating it and discussing yes. it and and um i don't i hope that was a conscious work if it wasn't it was very well done anyway <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's what we try to do across the board is try yeah. and communicate with people. We have a whole team of people internally uh, that work around that level of communication. Right. So think about uh, Rhoden Island, for example. That was a major event for that yes. community. So the bridge was closed only to foot traffic. Yes. And so we had weekly meetings with the residents. And so we would jump onto, um, you know, onto Skype or onto Zoom and yeah. we'd have our meetings with the residents and we would oh, explain right. to them what was happening yes. on a weekly basis. Yeah. Up until they had enough information and they knew that the works were in train and yeah. then we would have less frequent meetings. Uh, That's humanising right. our brand. Yeah. So what about things like, you know, modern ways of communicating like Facebook and Instagram and, and all those things? Do the council get into that space yes, as well? Yes, absolutely. So yeah. we um, we choose our channels. Yes. So it depends on the communication that you want to get out yeah, there, sure. whether you're going to use LinkedIn, whether you're going to use Facebook, whether yeah. you're going to use uh, YouTube yeah. um, and all of those channels around yeah. that. But we have a dedicated person who yeah. does the social media posts. Ah, cool. Uh, they deserve a pay rise, I reckon. Oh, they do a fantastic <laughs> job, that's for sure. Yeah. So, so I mean, the, the council is a multi, multi-million dollar business. And you're, I mean, the funding comes from a couple of sources, really. It comes from ratepayers who, you know, pay for their, their services. And it comes from grants that the council gets from local and federal government. That really sums up. The finances, I guess, pretty much. Yeah. Yes. So, so how do you balance all those things? I mean, it's, it's, it's I mean, I remember doing it in, in Qantas, spending millions of dollars on IT stuff, mm. computers, and all sort. But it was it was easy to do because I could plan well ahead. 
you have a situation where, like you said, incidents happen. You know, it's just it's it's a crazy world we live in. You know, pandemics and all those things. Do you have funds set aside for those? Is that how you manage it? You sort of have discretionary funds set aside that you can pull on when you need or get loans or something. How does that all work? Yeah, you're asking for a 101 of finance, but with the complexity of running a local government. Yeah. So I'll explain <laughs> it as simply as I can. Yeah. But we have reserves that are set aside for sure. things like sewer and water. Yes, um, yes. So, for example, sewer and water, um, we're going to be spending up to $250 million, um, in you know, between now and 25, 26. Wow. We've got a new sewer and water treatment facility, so the money is put aside for that. Oh, wow. Um, but because it's got um, state-significant, um, you know, initiatives, yes, yes. we will look for funding as well within right. that portfolio. So yes. we have the money there. But we also know that it's going to be expensive. So yes. these are two major facilities. So we look at grants to, to match some of those things. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to so sewer and water um, is is a very complex business, believe it or not. I can and, imagine. Um, you have to look at. Capacity. It's not a business I want to get into at the same. <laughs> but that's going to allow uh, seven thousand more dwellings just by doing that. So we wow. have a target to twenty twenty eight. Yes. So we make sure that that is there for our wow. community. Wow. When we look at dilapidation, and dilapidation is all the pipes running underneath the ground, yeah, um, yeah. all the pits that do the, you know, that are there for the maintenance, they're in ill repair right now. Yes. So my job wow. is to um, to refit those. Now costs are escalating, yeah. so we're looking at double the costs that we did even three years ago. Is to that refurbish, right? Double the cost just to refurbish some wow. of those because of materials and costs. Uh, of course, and just everything, the COVID, everything has impacted. Inflation, all those things have impacted the cost of stuff. Uh, and then the things like the, the rules and regulations around the work that you do, the sort of people you have to have, environmental, safety, traffic management, all those things, um, all play a part in that and all have increasing costs. Yep. So how do, you pl- how do you plan that then? Do you just have a contingency in every project or... Yes, yes, yeah, no, we do, absolutely. So we've got really fantastic project managers. So we've got a team of uh, uh, people on board that understand about putting in contingency costs for each project. So we keep, um, we monitor each project, actually. Of course, we should. Has a monthly meeting, and we go through and we see where we are, and we look at the red flags, the amber flags, the green flags, and we basically can do some adjustments. We keep on top of that. We check the budget, uh, we check the contingency. within that, um, and we make sure everything's on track. So we're constantly monitoring with those projects. So so as a CEO, would you get involved to that level of detail? Yes. Well, what I do is I do check-in meetings to make sure that we're yeah. progressing. Uh, projects like Ocean Drive would be on my hot list, of yes. course. Yes. It's, um, you know, it's a $111 million yeah. project. It's uh, the largest that this council's ever managed, yeah. and we want to do it right. Yeah, and making so, a lot of progress, I have to say. You. I'm down that road every day, so so I get to see the work that's being done. Well, if any of the staff are online listening, then they're doing a fantastic job. So, <laughs> of course. So they really are. So, so yeah. there's, they're big projects. Um, yeah. When we look at uh, Warden Island, then that project, you know, was well over $11 million. Wow. And we dealt with, um, you know, a colony of microbats, over 700 microbats. Um, and again, we managed that and the complexities. Yeah. That wasn't funded. So there's always going to be some things that happen 
yeah. for our community yeah. that are devastating, but we need to take care of it. We need to deal with it. We yeah. need to fund it. So we have to be in a good financial position to be a, a really good steward for our community. Yes. So what happens is we then, so we have money that's set aside for sewer and water. Then we basically have an operating budget. Now, the CSP and the delivery program, and we're in year two of our four-year delivery program, spells out the projects that we're going to do, right? Right. And some of those projects um, in there are going to be contingent on some government funding, etc. The landscape has changed, and now you're expected to put in a lot more money um, ah. to actually match Oh, uh, really? You know, okay. A number of the funding that yeah. comes through. So we have to choose our projects wisely yeah. um, within that. And the ones that are going to give the greatest benefit to our community. Yes. So people often think, how do you choose the projects of priority? Well, there's yeah. so many variables that go into that. Yeah. Our, our technical people go through and look at uh, congestion, look at the demographics of the population there, look at our wow. health and safety. Yes. Um, they have a look in terms of, you know, um, how much funding is actually they, they can get for that project and what the delivery time will be wow. whether there's other projects contingent on it so oh, wow there's, there's lots of factors yes. we're going to take another short break <laughs> and then we're coming back and talk some more we're with dr claire allen we're having a great conversation and claire is the ceo of the port macquarie hastings council we'll be back shortly you're listening to delving with this Hi, you're back with Delving with Des, and we have Dr. Claire Allen with us, again, the CEO of Port Macquarie Hastings Council. Claire, it's great to have you here. It's really great to hear all the stuff the council are doing, and and I love the fact that you're minded on certainly delivering to the community, but also mindful of your team and how they do and keeping them healthy, because that's absolutely key Mm -hmm. to the long, ongoing support of the council and so forth. So... We've talked a little bit about roads. What are the other issues that the community is facing? You know, we've talked about Lake Road and all those. What other things are there on your agenda that need to be addressed in the short, medium term? Yeah. Look, sometimes as a CEO, I come in and I see the the number of needs in our community and I've got to determine where my focus is going to be around that. So when I say that, I I don't believe we've got enough sporting facilities. I don't believe that we've upkept our sporting facilities across the board. But I have so much work to do on the other infrastructure, um, the sewer and the water and the dilapidation, that I'm really focused on trying to get that to a certain standard. And part of me feels like, wow, we really want to get more involved in, like we've got this ageing aquatic centre. So, you know, that really is uh, a priority, I think, in terms of getting that... Yes. to the standard it needs to get to. And that's going to cost a lot of money. Yes. And they don't really attract government funding. But our community deserves it. Yeah. We, you know, we're over 86,000 in population. So we're is the aquatic centre used a lot by yes, people? Yes, it is. Oh, it is right, used okay. a lot. Most times I drive past it and it's sort of empty. So I sort of say, hang on, why have we got this infrastructure here that people aren't using? But you're obviously... It's very important for yeah, the community yeah. and it does get utilised. But it's not only that, it's the sporting fields and sure. sporting complexes and i've kind of inherited this if you like there hasn't um you know been the action that that potentially should have been taken yes um but at the same time i've got all this infrastructure and upgrades i also have um you know we're doing an upgrade of our depots at the moment because they've been 
you know, fairly, um, you know, neglected for some time. So right. we need to raise the standard across that as well. And yeah. so we've got a plan that we're going to do that over the next five years because we can't do it all at once. No. So we've got a plan to do some of those things so we can create really good working conditions for our staff too. Yeah. But that means for us it's around... Well, let's have a look at the safety. You know, I know that, um, you know, we have a, a number of councillors that are really concerned about road safety. So yeah. it's about, well, what part do we play in that? And what more could we do? And yeah. how can we respond, you know, in a really timely manner to people's concerns? Because every person in our community is is important to us. Of course, right? of course. No, that's, that's a good answer. I mean, the, the sort of things like... Um, crossings where you know there's been accidents and Hastings River Drive is mm. a notorious one I guess with recent deaths and so forth I mean what can you do with those practically to make them safer yeah look our teams um, put a lot of thought into this and we yeah. work with Transport for New South Wales to look at what solutions we can yeah. come up with Sometimes we need to move really quickly to, you know, to basically put uh, VRM boards up and yeah. notice boards so that yeah. people can slow down. Sometimes we need to put in some extra lighting. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes that doesn't solve the problem either. So often yeah. people think put in some some more traffic lights, but we've we've got to work out where we put them so that yes. we don't cause any more yes. um, you know problems. So yeah. we have to think it through and make sure we do the right thing. Yeah. We, we've seen some of the, the, the things that are happening lately in terms of that level of congestion. Port Macquarie um, has a very strong, um, you know, demographic over a certain age. Yes. And so what we need to do is we need to we need to make sure that we keep them safe as well. So we need yeah. to think about pedestrian crossings, <coughs> lighting, notice boards, uh, you know, more education in the community as well is going to be really important. Yeah. Slow down. Not just, uh, you know, we've got koalas out there as well. Slow down. Think about where you're at. I was at. going to ask you about koalas because uh, I live at Lighthouse and, and some months back I was driving into the street and there's a koala walking across the road. Um, or across the, the street, and I and I said to myself, I wonder what are we doing in that? You know, because we've got so many koalas that we want to protect. Is there stuff that we can do in that space? Um, look, the Koala Hospital, who just changed yeah. their name to the um, Cons uh, Koala Conservation yes. Australia, yeah. they obviously are very concerned about yes. the koalas and they're concerned about the population of yeah. the koalas yeah. as well. And I think we all need to do our bit. We all need yeah. to be part of that solution. Um, at Council, we certainly you know, want to support them as much as we possibly yeah. can. Um, and we also want to help where we can in terms of educating the community. So the population is declining. Um, yeah. Koalas, you know, um, after the bushfires, after the floods, yes. they've started to find different habitats. They're yeah. eating different species. Yeah. We need to understand them. We need to map them. We need to, yeah. you know, to we're, we're developing in certain areas. We need to make sure there's offsets. Yes. So all of these environmental considerations are really important um, for the community in terms of understanding what we can do um, yeah. to protect them. Yeah, so... So what can the average guy like me in, in my street, what, what can we do to help that, that particular issue? Look, it's, it's well, 
not just that is you can volunteer if you want to go and volunteer <laughs> with them. Of my peer yeah, yeah, I, was, I was thinking that, Des, <laughs> you, you have a pretty full life. Yeah. Um, but, you know, certainly people can go and, uh, uh, you know, volunteer in yeah, terms that's of good that, idea. that particular work yeah. if they want to. Um, the other thing is to report, you know, to, yeah, to make sure them. that uh, if yeah. you see them, to report it so that they know and yeah. um, they can assist where necessary. Um, I think it's about us all being community-minded. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. it's... Um, we're all part of a village and we're yes. all like Ramdar says, just walking each other home. <laughs> and I think it's important that we all look out for each other, look out yeah. for, you know, the, for koalas, look out for the environment, um, look out for, you know, for each other. Each other, yeah, exactly. That's, that's yeah, the best that, that we can do. Wow, you've got a huge job on your shoulders. So given, just briefly for the next, looking forward for the next few years, uh, you've talked about the sewage and the treatment of sewage, you've talked about uh, the parks and sports facilities and so forth. Are there any other areas that would be a focus for the council over the next few years, do you think? Uh, look, I come with a, a three-tier approach. One is good governance, so, yeah. you know, improving our systems um, and our policies and procedures, yeah. creating yeah. more efficiency is important. Our strategy is important, so yes. really important the community has a say yeah. in the strategic planning. If we go out to public exhibition, have a look. You yeah. know, have your say. We've yeah. got a whole page on our website that says, have your say. There's always topics up there. There's wow. always things you can get involved in. We look at that feedback. Uh, we basically segment the feedback. We look wow. at the emerging themes. Uh, we're really looking at, we talk about humanizing our brand, but we really look at that feedback and say, well, maybe we need to change some things here. This yeah. is, this is yeah. what people are saying to us. And then on top of that, there's that level of, Operations, so improving yeah. our service delivery across the board. Sure. So, for example, how much do we spend on parks? How much do we spend yeah. on beautification? How much do other councils, comparable councils, spend? Yes. And what do we need to do to bring things up to a certain standard? Yes. Yes. I also am a really big believer in the lived experience. So I like to um, go and have a look at things and find out what's going on for people. Sure. And then because. Really, they, they know what's happening. Yes, And yes, then indeed. we can actually make decisions around that. Well, I, I love that. It's really good to get an insight into the way the council works. And, we, and again, we had Peter on earlier, and she gave us her insight from a mayor's perspective. But to get it from the CEO's perspective is really, really cool. I thank you for coming in and talking to us today. It's really, really cool. So just before we leave, give me two or three pieces of advice that you might give to the community as a CEO of the local council. I'm putting you in the spur of the moment here. So, <laughs> Yeah, look, first of all, we're committed to serve you. And I just want yeah. people out there in the community to know that. Yeah. And we're committed to building the most livable and sustainable and innovative region in Australia. We're really committed to that. And we want you to play a part in that. So have your say. Is the yes. first thing. So that on the website, yep. you on get the that, website, that point. Yes. Have you say. Cool. The second thing is that we want to work with you to find solutions. And I understand sometimes you might be frustrated, right? Yeah. You might yeah. be frustrated and you might think, I'm just not getting through here. Actually, you know, we're here to listen. So don't don't think like that. Come yeah. in and just speak to us as humans. We're human yeah. Yeah. and we will find a solution with you. So don't get frustrated. Come yeah. in and let's just talk out those issues. So have your say. Don't get frustrated. Come in and we'll talk those issues through. Um, thirdly, get involved with other people and find out what the reality of a situation is. That's so good, just because guys. you think something's a certain way, 
it might actually be a bit different to that. Sometimes you might be saying, that's council's problem. It actually might not even be our issue. Yes, yes. So find out what the issue yeah. is and whose responsibility that yeah. is, because you might be surprised. Yeah, and actually it's funny you say that because Peter was talking about uh, the intersection of Ocean Drive and Gordon Street and Oxley Highway, whereas one part of the road, Gordon Street, is the council and Oxley Highway is a state mm. road, right? I think that's what yes, she said. Yes. And so people wouldn't necessarily, I didn't certainly didn't know that. So we've had today Dr. Claire Allen with us. It's been a wonderful conversation. Thank you for being so open and honest with us. And I'm sure people will really appreciate listening to this. So thank you for your time today. No, thank you, Des. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Oh, that's good. You have been listening to the podcast of Delving with Des.